0: Oh, you guys, thanks for that warm welcome. So encouraging. It's great to be with the family. <laughs> All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, as you know, we are in the midst of a sermon series entitled Applying the Gospel, Applying the Gospel. And uh, when Pastor Chris invited me to speak this Sunday, as we were chatting, as he said, about uh, if I might speak. He already had a topic in mind for this particular Sunday, and it was the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about applying the gospel and looking at the Holy Spirit, which raises an interesting question, at least to me, which is this. When you think of the gospel, the good news of Christ, does the Holy Spirit play a role in that story? (laughs) Does he even appear? Like When you tell the story of Christ, would you even think to mention the Holy Spirit? Right? As we begin today looking at applying the gospel and the Holy Spirit, I think that it makes sense to start by just acknowledging that for many of us, even longtime Christians, the Holy Spirit might be like, not the first thing that comes to mind, the way that Jesus and God the Father are completely central and core. The Holy Spirit can sometimes be, if we care to admit, maybe a little bit of like an addendum or kind of an afterthought even. And so I just want to acknowledge that as we begin and as we get rooted in scripture, I want to invite us today to turn to some passages from the Gospel of John where Jesus teaches his disciples about the Spirit so we can learn together. Now, uh, the passages I selected today, I selected also um, in significant part because they felt very appropriate for the season that we're in, in the church calendar, we're in this season called Lent, which is the season leading up to remembering Jesus' death and all that it means for us, celebrating his resurrection in Easter Sunday. And so the passage we're going to look at today looks at uh, Jesus' final conversation with his disciples just before he's arrested and crucified. Now I want to encourage you. We're not going to be able to unpack all of um, the, his teaching in that in that time uh, today because it's like a few chapters of teaching. So I want to encourage you this week. Pull out your Bible or pull out your Bible app and read through John chapters 14 to 16. You will be so glad that you did. Really powerful, rich chapters and also, again, so appropriate for this season. You might want to add, you know, chapter 13 if you want some context and chapter 17 where he prays. And uh, yeah, again, I think you'll be so glad you do. All right, so as we enter in today, um, I want to just kind of set the scene. Imagine that you are there with Jesus and his disciples. It's nighttime. You've just had a wonderful meal. You've celebrated the Passover together. Jesus has shown incredible love in uh, washing everyone's feet. And uh, then he's predicted that he's going to be betrayed. And he said that... uh, Someone's going to betray him, and in fact, Judas Iscariot, his betrayer, has just gotten up and gone out the door to do the deed. And as he leaves, Jesus turns to his disciples, and he says this at the end of uh, John chapter 13, verse 33, he says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going. You cannot come. Now imagine, you know, Jesus is here talking with his disciples, and he knows this is a really significant conversation. This is, they're at a crossroads. Jesus is about to be arrested and crucified. And even though he's going to be resurrected, things will never be the same. He's not going to be living day in, day out in the flesh with the disciples as he has been every day for the last three years. They're at a crossroads, and things are about to dramatically change. And as he's in this space, he refers to his disciples um, parentally, right? My children. And if you can imagine yourself in the shoes of a parent, if you knew that tomorrow you're going to be gone, this is your opportunity, the moments are precious, to have this important conversation, what would you want to deposit in the hearts of your children, to impress upon them? It's a significant moment. Well, If we try to unpack these chapters of John, it could really be a rich sermon series of its own. But uh, in an extraordinarily condensed way, I'll say Jesus does at least three things in these chapters. One, he leaves a final command. He impresses on them, love one another as I have loved you. And he elaborates on that, and he talks about all things, different things related to that, but it's kind of like the, the capstone of his life and his teaching. Love one another. And then he gives them a warning. He says, I'm going to be leaving you, and you will experience suffering and persecution when I'm gone, so don't be surprised when that happens. Remember that I warned you about it before. And of course, as the disciples are hearing these things, they're heartbroken, they're, they're distraught, they're upset, they don't know what's going on. And Jesus, as a, any good parent would, doesn't want to leave them in that space. He wants to give them hope also, right? Encouragement. How is it that you'll receive strength, that you'll still be looked after after I'm gone? And it's in that context that we see him repeatedly throughout these chapters pointing the disciples to the Holy Spirit. If you take some time this week, you read those chapters, you'll see he keeps coming back to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's role, that the Holy Spirit will guide them. It's almost as if he's uh, like a good parent who has arranged for, if it were possible, an even better guardian to take care of his disciples after he's gone. And he's trying to tell them, this is who you should turn to now. Open your hearts to him. Bond with him. You can trust him. He will guide you. He will always be with you and never lead you. Right? He's got that kind of an urgency of, this is where I want to point you. Open your hearts here. Right? And we see this again repeatedly throughout uh, John chapters 14 to 16. But just to give a couple examples, for example, we see in John 14, verses 16 to 18, Jesus says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And as my commentary kind of elaborated on the I will come to you, PC, saying, I will send my spirit who will dwell in you. I will come to you. And then um, we see as well in John chapter 16, verses 5 to 7, Jesus even goes so far as to say, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is telling his disciples that the gift of the Holy Spirit relating with the Holy Spirit is going to be even better for us than if Jesus remained in the flesh with us. I mean, can you imagine what an incredible statement? Can you imagine how amazing it would be to have Jesus here right now with us, like sitting in the front row? We could see him with our own eyes. We could touch him. We could ask him anything, how incredible that would be. And yet Jesus makes this, this crazy statement that the Holy Spirit will be even better than him in the flesh. It's like he's saying to his disciples, pay attention. This is how you're going to have God and relate after I'm gone, and it's going to be so good. I picture it kind of like if you've ever tried to get like, a little kid to do something fun, and they're kind of dragging their feet, and you're like, no, really, like, this is going to be great. This is going to be way better than that little broken toy you're playing with. And they're like, no, no, and you're like, no, really, just... Put on your jacket, it's just half an hour, and then we'll be at an amusement park, it's going to be awesome, you're going to love it so much more than that little dinky broken toy, and they're like, no, you know, (laughs) like, like really, believe me, you know, it's going to be so good, and that's where Jesus is at, I think, with his disciples, right, he's trying to tell them, you want this to happen, it's really going to be good, trust me in this, all right, so he's doing this. There's actually repeated mentions. I tried to include all that, and I realized it would be way too long. So you're just going to have to read it for yourself. He keeps coming back to it. John 14 through 16. And as if that weren't enough, okay, right before his death in this important conversation, John also highlights that right after his, he's resurrected, it's one of the first things he talks about as well with his disciples, is the Holy Spirit. So uh, as we continue in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus is crucified Buried, resurrected, he appears to Mary Magdalene. And then in John chapter 20, we see Jesus' first recounting, um, or uh, rather John's first recounting of Jesus' first meeting with his disciples. Okay, so this is what it says, John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. All right, so let's recap, right? Jesus appears. He's like, guys, it's really me. Look, my hands, my side. And then he kind of gets right down to business. Peace and receive the Holy Spirit. Do you guys see how this is very top of mind, right, for Jesus, front and center, right before he's arrested and died, right after he resurrects, he's pointing the disciples repeatedly to the Spirit. It's like he's telling them, guys, this is really, really good and really, really important. Okay? And and where the disciples are at in this story is in many ways where we also find ourselves. Like the disciples, we're seeking to know and relate with God while Jesus is resurrected but not currently walking around in the flesh with us. That's where the disciples are at, and that's where we're at as well. Jesus is telling all of us that the Spirit is now how we're going to be able to know God even as he was known when he was walking in the flesh. We can know him that way and even more. Being able to know God in such a personal and direct way was not always possible. I think we can maybe take it for granted a little bit. But for millennia, it was something that, you know, in the Old Testament, it was described as the Holy Spirit only came on or dwelt in a select few. And it was a promise that was longed for, that after the Messiah came one day, God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh, on all people. There would be this free access. It was a promise hoped for and longed for that Jesus is now saying He's fulfilled through His death and resurrection. It's made it possible. And that brings us back, okay, to where we started at the beginning of this message. How does the Gospel and the Holy Spirit, how do they come together? How do they relate? The Gospel, the good news of God, is that Jesus died and paid the price we could not pay to restore us to right relationship with God, that nothing separates us any longer. And the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to wait until we're dead to experience this relationship. Jesus is alive now. He's given the Spirit so that we can have this personal relationship with God even now. When we think about the good news of Christ, Jesus didn't die to settle our debt and then just celebrate that His heavenly books are now balanced. You no, know, like God didn't refer to Himself as our heavenly accountant He's our heavenly father, our heavenly father. I think sometimes we can accidentally fall into this thing where we treat the gospel message as if God's primary concern in Jesus coming and paying our debt was the debt. As if that was what he cared about the most. But here's the thing. I mean, and and, and let me just say, don't get me wrong, I mean, the paying of the debt is huge. That's the cornerstone that our faith is built on. Everything else follows from that, and and it's a debt of of gratitude. It's a, it's a, a love that goes beyond our ability to express or comprehend. It is all of those things, and it is true that God was not primarily concerned with the debt and the justice. It didn't stop there. Guys, if God was primarily concerned about just justice, he could have saved himself a whole lot of trouble. He didn't need to suffer and die. He could have just given us all what we deserve. That would have balanced the books. I thank God he didn't do that. Right? Like thank God he he sent his son. Why? Because he loves us. God is love and ultimately his concern is not so much the debt as restored relationship with us. The paying of the debt is a, a step, a means to that restored relationship. If the gospel were made into a, a movie or a television show, it wouldn't be a crime drama or law and order, or procedural, right? Like, dun done. Oh, there's a case of sin. Got to bring it before the court. No! right? Like, it would be a, a, an epic romance, you know, God the hero coming and rescuing His beloved and winning her back to Himself and paying, sacrificing all for the sake of His beloved. I mean, it would, be, it would be an epic love story. We were made for relationship with God. If you go back and read Genesis chapter three, you will see we were made to live in a garden paradise where we could hear God walking in the cool of the day, it says, and we could talk to him directly. That's what we were made for. And one day, that's what we'll know in full again in heaven. But the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to wait until we die to taste heaven here on earth. Jesus has died and resurrected. He's given the spirit. We can know God now taste the sweetness of his presence now. This is why Jesus has come. This is why he's died. And I hope this brings now us, us full circle to, to understanding of how the, the Holy Spirit is so central, really, to the gospel message. He's not an, an ancillary a character and a, fo- a footnote. He's, he's right in the middle of the story. And in many ways, he personifies the whole purpose of why Jesus came and died to restore relationship. And through the giving of the Spirit, that's now how we get to know God in full and so personally and intimately, better than even Jesus in the flesh. All right, guys, this is like, as I was prepping the talk, I was like, this is like a hallelujah moment, you know? It's like, praise God, dancing in the streets is so good. Good news, really good news, right? All right, so now, all right, we've talked about the gospel. We have an understanding of the gospel and Holy Spirit. How do they go together? The sermon series is entitled Applying the Gospel. Apply. So let's look at that word applying now. What does this mean for us? How do we actually apply this and live this out? All right, so for looking at this today, let's remember, Jesus says again in John chapter 16, verse 7, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So our first application point today is simple. Jesus has sent us the Spirit. He says, if I go, I will send Him to you. He sent us the Spirit, so could we be open to receiving Him? Could we simply be open, wanting Him, saying, yes, Holy Spirit, I, I want you, I want to know you, I want to know you in full. Now, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit dwells in all of us from the point of salvation. From the moment that we say, Jesus, yes, I want you as my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us and dwells in us. So you never need to worry, right? Is the Holy Spirit here? Did I pray well enough or somehow get him to come? Is he far away? Did I mess up so much that he's far? You don't need to ever worry about any of those things. The answer is always, yes, he's already there. He's already within you. He's already near. Right? When we say welcome, Holy Spirit, it's kind of like if someone's already in a room with you, you can ignore them, or you can say, Hi, I really want to hang out with you and and talk and get to know you, right? Well, that's what we're saying. We're saying, we're we're greeting the Holy Spirit. We're saying, yes, we do want you. We want to relate with you. Now, As we think about that, I mean, I think the Holy Spirit, for many of us, it can remain a little bit of like a a fact in our head, a doctrine we assent to, but not necessarily a lived reality. Um, It's kind of like um, we might think of him a little bit like a a distant relative. right? Like We know we're related. They have affection for us, probably. But, I mean, we don't really ever talk to them. But we know that we'll always have that bond. We'll always be related. But we know... We all know that relationship can can atrophy from neglect, or it can can bloom and thrive from intentional investment. And so we know there's a great difference between how we relate with, like, our great-aunt Matilda, who lives in Timbuktu, who we spoke to once 10 years ago, versus our favorite grandparent who lives upstairs, and when we come home, they welcome us, and we're excited to talk with them, they bake us cookies. The intimacy and the delight and the joy in that relationship is materially different, right? So let's not great-aunt Matilda, the Holy Spirit, all right? Let's have him front and center on our hearts. Let's invest in knowing him, just as Jesus so strongly advocated for us to do and indeed died to make possible. And doing this can be simple, right? It's not rocket science. I think that sometimes, especially with the things of the Spirit, we can overcomplicate a bit, but it is not complicated, okay? When we pray, we can simply say, Welcome, Holy Spirit, and pause. Let God minister the reality of His presence to you in that moment. And be as easy as that just acknowledging God is real and saying we're open. Another really simple thing we can do is to just be open-hearted and interested to learn about the Spirit in Scripture. The same way we're eager to study the life of Christ and learn about His teachings and learn all the character and attributes of God the Father, let's also be eager to understand what Scripture has to tell us about who the Holy Spirit is, His role, how we can cooperate with Him. For many of us, our relationship with the Spirit is limited um, by just lack of exposure or familiarity or understanding, and that is probably for a very understandable reason. Like, maybe we've just never been in a setting where He's been talked about much, or we've gotten a chance to learn much about Him. And so it's completely understandable. And it doesn't have to stay that way. I mean, here we are, we find ourselves together in a church that fully embraces the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and where you can really come and be rooted in good biblical grounding, as well as learn practically to relate with the Holy Spirit for yourself, to know him for yourself. Some of you might be uh, thinkers, and the way the Holy Spirit might come to you would be in wisdom, in insight, in a passage of Scripture that's exactly what you needed for that moment. If you just pause and ask God, God, is there anything you want to say? Some of you might be more feelers, and you might really sense the Holy Spirit depositing peace in your heart or moving your heart to a greater extent of love or perseverance to keep on following after His ways. I think that, you know, for all of us, actually, whether we're thinkers or feelers, God probably wants to minister to all of us in all of these ways, but just to give you a little bit of an idea of what it might look like and how we might begin, depending on how you're wired, I think we can all agree that we need supernatural power beyond what we have in our own human capacity to be able to live the life that God calls us to. And God knows this. He supplied our need by giving us the Spirit. All right, so please, let's not treat the Holy Spirit like he's the invisible child in the family. He just blends into the woodworks, and we kind of forget that he's there, you know. Or, so many family analogies, you guys, but I feel like it's it's apt. You know, if it captures some of how we might feel, right? So, or, let's not treat him like, like our wild cousin, like the one that we're not sure if we want to invite him to our next family gathering, right? Because, like anything might happen. And we just don't know if we want him in polite company, you know, like a little nervous, right? If we feel any of these ways, like a little nervous around the spirit or indifference or whatever it might be, could we move out of that and toward just openness, curiosity, interest, receptivity, wanting to know him the same way we want to know Jesus and God the Father? And I just want to add here that if any of you are here and you're feeling like any of these, we're kind of using some humorous analogies here, but if you feel any of these kind of funny descriptions about the Spirit, I want to say, I understand. We understand. It probably is because you've experienced something, right? Either teaching or experience in your past that maybe leads you to feel that way that's really valid. And I just want to say, as a pastor, My heart goes out to you, and if that's you, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that maybe there's some fear or whatever else it might be because, um, you know, as you can see from Jesus' own teaching about the Holy Spirit, he's very high on the Spirit. He's very positive on the Spirit, right? He's like the Spirit's the Spirit of truth. He's wholly trustworthy. It's gonna be so good, as good as having me in the flesh, even better. That's what Jesus says. So, if your experience with the Spirit has been anything less than that, has been something else, then probably there's just been something human mixed in there, right? Together with the things of the Lord. I mean, that happens, right? And so, my encouragement to you, if you're in any of those kind of spaces, would just be if uh, you could, that there's an invitation, if you'd be up for perhaps reading scripture. For yourself and seeing what it has to say about the Spirit. Check it out and, and see how the Bible describes the Spirit, who He is, and get to know Him. I really have a confidence and a hope that as you do, you will find that the Holy Spirit really is who Scripture says He is. Holy, good, holy, trustworthy, holy God, just as Jesus and God the Father is. All right, so this is my first takeaway for us today, to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes, I'll receive you, I'm interested, I want to learn about you. And I want to say, you know, um, we may find ourselves in, in different spaces, you know, for me, here I am, I'm up here, I'm preaching, it's maybe been 20, 30 plus years that I've been like pressing into the things of the Spirit, but the application is the same, there's always more there's always more so whether we're here today and we find ourselves very new to these things or whether it's something we're very comfortable and familiar with i want to invite us all the application question is the same for one and all which is will you say yes to more will you be intentional in sowing into that relationship with god that's been made possible for us through Jesus' death and resurrection we can have the spirit will you say yes All right, that's the great news of God, right? There's always more. There's more in the Word. There's more in relationship with God. He's infinite. And so there's always more we can press into. All right, all right. So having said this, okay, as our first application point, our second application point for today, as we say yes to the Spirit, our second application point is could we receive His help? Could we receive His help? Okay, let's remember. Jesus says this in John 14, verses 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So Jesus is essentially saying here, if you love me, you should keep my commands, and I know you're going to need help with that, so I'm going to send you help in the form of the spirit. All right? Now, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is involved in our sanctification. Sanctification is just a big fancy word that means us becoming more holy, us becoming more like Jesus, right? And um, where that change takes place, where God wants to meet us, the Holy Spirit wants to help us, is at the point at which we're not yet like Jesus, which in some ways shouldn't be a newsflash, right? Like if he's going to help us and change us, it has to be at the place where we're not yet changed. But I think it can be a little bit counterintuitive, a little worth knowing, be, uh, noting, because sometimes I think we can associate the presence of God um, and the ministry of the Spirit with, like, being in a really great space. Like, we've done everything right, and we're at a retreat, and we're worshiping on a mountaintop, and that's when God will come, right? And so, I, that, and God does come in those spaces. He does. And, and he also really wants to meet us when we're overwhelmed when we're stretched beyond our limits, when we're really in need of help because we are not going to be able on our own strength to to be loving, (laughs) to be patient, to live into what God calls us into. He wants to meet us there. That's where we need God the most, right? When we're overwhelmed by grief or pain or loss or, or by doubt or struggle or temptation or by anger and conflict, whatever it might be, when you're at your limits and you're feeling yourself, you're getting stretched beyond. God wants to meet you there. He knows we need his help. And he, it, literally, his name is Helper. So what does this look like? This happens, yes, in some mystical, supernatural ways, and it also happens quite literally and practically. All right? So we can again practice a very simple prayer, and it's simply this. Help, Lord and pause. <laughs> like the, the, oh, thanks, Alejandra. <laughs> the, the pause is important because that's where you'll receive the help you just asked for. All right. <laughs> so, and, um, you know, as we, as we turn to God, it's not about the length of our prayer or how complicated it is or the, how many words we use. It's just the earnestness and openness of our heart. And as we pause... God will minister to us his presence, or he'll bring to mind a scripture or truth that's just right for our situation. And of course, we can continue to unburden our heart to him. I'm going to just share a few stories um, to help maybe give some color and, and an idea of what this looks like. Alright, so here's here's my first story. Lately, I have been going through some really challenging circumstances. Alright, my my mother-in-law is battling cancer, and there have just been some other family circumstances, and it's been rough. It's just been a tough time, right? Some seasons are just kind of tough. And so recently I was doing some chores and I was talking to God. You know, I've been like talking to him about the things that are hard, but in all honesty, it's a little bit hedging, like avoiding going to fully the emotional place of feeling how hard it is, because I just don't like feeling sad you know like i just don't. and so i was praying i was doing some chores and i was praying talking to god and i felt the lord bring to mind the scripture blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted and i felt him asking me denise do you believe this is true like blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted and i realized in that moment that actually i don't I realized my lack of faith there. It's like, oh, actually, what I think will happen if I mourn is that I'll just go into a deep, dark pit, and it'll be really painful, and maybe I'll get stuck, and it'll just be awful. And that's it. You know, (laughs) like, that's basically my... So like, okay, that's not aligned with what Scripture says. So, okay, Lord, I'm going to try. Like, sure, I want to believe what you say is true. So the next chance I get, I spend some time in God, and I let myself go to this place where right? I'm mourning, I'm crying, I'm like pouring out my heart. And in that space, it's not like um, I got a distinct um, message, you know, like of uh, like a, a word of explanation or anything else like that. But what I did feel was just a sense of God's presence, His nearness. And the best I can describe it is kind of like um, if you, if there was like a little kid, and a young kid, maybe their mom scooped them up and held them. And just the feeling of love that's communicated there, and security, and and that you're not alone, and that there's compassion. That uh, maybe there aren't words, because maybe the kid's too young to understand and comprehend, but there is that sense of there's something communicated in that embrace. And it just did so much for my soul. It made such a difference. Uh, I mean, my circumstances are still the same, right? But the, something happened there. And, and, you know, Scripture tells us that the Spirit brings the Lord's truth right to life. He takes it and he, he applies it to our lives and our everyday circumstances. And He brings it where we need it, to the hard spaces of life, to the places of our questions, our pain, our doubt, our temptation, our struggles. And when we encounter God, which the Spirit enables us to do, it transforms us. It enables us to depend on God in ways that we we didn't feel like we could before. It assures us that we're not alone, that He is there and sovereign. And it strengthens us to keep going, to keep persevering in His ways. I hope you can see how this is like literally sanctification at work, right? It's, It's the Holy Spirit changing us in the midst of our challenging circumstances, and I'll give another um, example uh, or, or two. Uh, <laughs> actually, this one this one will relate to. That. <laughs> yes. So, all right, very different example. So. I'm a mom, my son is just turned four, but some time ago, and he was three, I woke up in the middle of the night, the baby monitor is going off, and I blearily like walk into my son's room, he's wailing, like, ah, like, trying everything I can to help him calm him down, and he's just not snapping out of it, I mean, he's just still, nothing's working, and if you've ever been with a kid where um, you just can't, like, either they're crying and crying and you can't figure out how to help them, it's just the most challenging thing, you're like, ah, oh, you just want to cry do? And you're like at your wit's end. You're so frustrated and kind of angry, but you know it's not the kids. You're just like, what do I do? So I'm there and I'm desperate. So he's wailing and I'm literally praying out loud, like, what well, by his bedside, like, just going, like, God, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Like, do you have any ideas? And one word pops to mind Popsicle. I'm like, what? And I'm like okay, we're not like a family that does. Like, we don't do food in the bedroom. It's like the middle of night. The- he's three. It's messy. You know all this stuff, right? And so I'm like, I don't know. I said, I'm like, well, I don't know. I just ask God. This is what comes to mind. I'm desperate. I just give it a try. So I run downstairs. I grab a popsicle. Put it on a plate. And I run up. And I'm just like, I'm like, I, I. literally. It's like an offering, you know? Because he's not making eye contact with me. He's not, I'm just like. And I see him. He's like. I don't know, I don't know. You know and he just like, and suddenly, he's restored to sanity. Like, he's like sitting there. He tells me he had a nightmare. We can talk. Like, it's just like miraculous, sudden transformation. And hours later, much later in the day, I see him. He just pauses in the middle of playing. He's like, he's thinking, and then he says, "Popsicle helps me calm down." You know, it's like he's marveling at how it broke. The, he's like, still thinking about it. Too. I'm like, who knew? The Lord knew, that's who knew, like the Lord knew my son, the Lord knew what he needed, the Lord knew what I needed, you know, he was merciful, and uh, well, he knew what my son didn't need either, just like a mom is going to lose it, right, so he's like <laughs> intervening and providing in this wonderful way. I'll, I'll share one more story, or one more story, short one, okay, <laughs> okay so I'm, I'm married, my husband Khan and I occasionally will have an argument, right, we'll have a fight. And sometimes it gets to that kind of space where you're stuck, you know, that kind of space where you both feel like really hurt and really right, you know, and you're like, conversation, we realize it's not going anywhere. And, um, hmm, what should we do? And so when that happens, uh, sometimes one of us will say, well, maybe we should pray, right? Not with each other. We're not ready for that yet because you're still mad, right? (laughs) But, but we'll pray each on our own, right? Maybe even if it's just on like opposite ends of the couch or something like that, and we're just like praying. And you guys, there is, it is so helpful because there is something about getting in front of the God of this universe who is completely holy and that just takes you down a peg. You know, you're like, you get off your high horse a little bit. You're like, okay, right. Maybe there are some things I've done wrong here too, you know, like some things I should ask for forgiveness for, or right, like this is still about love ultimately, like I wanna love my spouse, I wanna, I wanna listen to him. And so as we enter through that space, and sometimes some insight comes too, and then we regather. we still have stuff to talk about and work through, but we re-enter it often from a very different heart space and we find that it goes a lot better. Right? We find that it really makes a difference. So guys, okay, these stories, I hope you can see how these are just very simple, practical things. Right? Like the Holy Spirit wants to be at work in our lives all the time, especially in our places of struggle and need. He wants to guide us into truth, and he wants that to not just be an idea that we hope will somehow happen, but to be a lived reality as we simply just turn our attention to him and ask for his help that he so readily wants to give us. I want to uh, invite the, the worship team up uh, as, we, as we wrap up for today. The good news of the gospel, right, is that Christ died so that we could enjoy a living, transformative, amazing relationship with God where nothing separates us from God and we can know him in the midst of everyday life. Let's not sell ourselves short by just taking a crumb when Jesus has offered us a feast all right, let's take in the Holy Spirit and relationship with God in full measure, to the full extent of what Christ has offered, what God has offered. Let's say, yes, I want to know you. I'm, I'm curious, I'm interested, I want to learn about you from your word. I want to invite you and welcome you as I pray. I want to be intentional in sowing into this relationship. And let's seek his help every day. Let's seek his help every day. And you will find that He is exactly who He says He is in Scripture. He will truly be your guide and helper. He will remind you of God's truth. He will sanctify and transform us as we relate with Him. So would you pray with me? Would you pray with me as we close? Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you died in our place so that we could be restored to what we were created for. Full and free relationship with you, Lord. That is life. That is life, Lord. You are who we desire. Our hunger and our thirsting is for you, Lord. Thank you that you have given your spirit. What a wonder it is that you, Lord of the universe, would dwell within us. And, and and deign to, to, to minister to us so directly and personally, how marvelous it is to be able to call you Father. Holy Spirit, we say yes to you. We say yes.
1: We want
0: you. We want to know you. We want to understand you from your word. We want to welcome and know you in our lived experience. We want all of what you have, your truth yourself in our lives at work. And Jesus, you know we need you. We are often stretched beyond the ability to follow you in our own strength, Lord. We need you all the time. And Holy Spirit, we pray, come and help. We do want your help. Remind us that we can look to you for help
1: in all things
0: at all times. And thank you that you are so good and gracious to us, that you supply that hope and you continue to form us to be more like you. We are so grateful and we love you, Lord. We love you, but it's nothing compared to your love for us. Thank you, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Stand to our feet. As we close our time, before we enter into a moment of worship and respond to this incredible message, I'm going to read from Scripture, 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me this time if you could begin to prepare to receive the bread jesus thank you for your broken body thank you that even as we learned today and were we were reminded again a debt has been paid and you paid that debt and we thank you that by your stripes we are healed you took our sin you paid the debt that we might be free from guilt, shame and condemnation that a relationship with you would be possible because of the debt that's been paid. Let's receive the bread at this time. Let's prepare to receive the cup. The scripture says in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes Lord Jesus thank you for the price you paid, the penalty that you carried, the debt you wiped away for your shed blood Lord that your life was offered on our behalf to wash and remove all our sin our guilt and to present us as righteous before the father thank you that we are no longer just broken sinners but that we are sinners that are washed and cleansed and made new and have a righteousness not of our own, that we stand before you faultless because of what you have done, Jesus. So we thank you for that. Let's receive the cup at this time. Lord Jesus, thank you. We worship you. We praise you. Could we lift our hands? Could we direct our hearts? And even as we begin to worship, we could begin to apply the invitation that we heard today. Even now, in your own words, say, I receive you, Holy Spirit. For many of us, the Holy Spirit's been this gift that's been under the tree and has been wrapped up and we have not tore it open and said, okay, you you give this to me, I receive it. Receive the Holy Spirit but also where are those places of help where are those places that we need help we need to be transformed in the image of Jesus we're not like Jesus in those areas and those are the very areas where God would invite us to say help me and the Holy Spirit will come and help as we worship as we respond the prayer team is in the back to my left your right As, as in these next few moments you can Uh, leave your your seat and go and receive prayer. Powerful ministry is waiting as a prayer team is ready to pray, agree with you. Let's respond to God in these next few moments. Let's lift up our